What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number four of a, the weekly sports podcast, Right Off the Bus, here with my co-host, Pat Mahoney. Ready to jump right in, Pat. Time to huddle up, man. Time to look at some NFL divisional playoff games here. First game of the week, we had Rams-Packers. Rams win. I mean, Rams lose that game. 32 to 18 didn't really feel like much of a game felt like Rodgers was in control the whole time what were your thoughts and impressions on that game yeah it was a big uh, big weekend and one of the biggest takeaways I had from the entire weekend of playoff football and the divisional matchups was that we didn't see a lot of great quarterback play but I think we did see that out of Aaron Rodgers and I think he kind of showed why he won MVP this season I think he deservedly won it And he's been the only quarterback that's really showing out in the playoffs. And he had a great game against the Rams defense that we knew was probably the best defense coming into the playoffs. So the fact that he put up the numbers he did, I mean, I I know he's got the, he's got the firepower to do it with against that Rams defense, but uh, something I mentioned last week was that Alan Lazard was a sneaky good receiver and that Mm. he might have a great game. And he in fact did, he had two touchdowns, Uh, Devontae Adams still got his they were putting heavy coverage on Devontae Adams it left vulnerability all around the field but Aaron Rodgers is a guy you can't do that against Devontae Adams got his he didn't have a lot of receiving yards I mean he had nine catches for I think it was 66 yards but uh yeah he had a 58 yard touchdown bomb to Alan Lazard so the, the Packers had a great game all around including Aaron Jones he had some great runs um they they showed that their offense was just better than the Rams defense could be. And uh, just to note on the Rams too, I mean, Jared Goff didn't look that bad. Um, I know you'll touch on it later. I don't know what the Rams are going to do at quarterback, what their situation is going to look like over the next couple of years, but Jared Goff didn't look bad, but uh, it just showed why I don't think he can lead that team through an entire playoff season and win a Super Bowl. Yeah, even if you have the best defense in the league like the Rams did, and that was one thing that surprised me, Aaron Donald, he, he had a he had an okay game, he had a good game, but that Packers offensive line has been fantastic, and even without David Bakhtiari on the left side, they did a really great job of handling that Rams front. But yeah, I mean, even with that fantastic of a defense, like Jared Goff, man, it just doesn't feel like he's that guy who can go get it done in the playoffs. Pat, I know you're a Ravens fan, man, but it's like Trent Dilfer's out there with that 2000 Ravens defense, man. It's like Trent Dilfer is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Like that's, that's kind of crazy. You know, yep, yep. That's, that's how it feels with Jared Goff sometimes. And, and I mean, look, you know, talking about quarterbacks, Rodgers controlled the tempo of this game. He controlled the entire game. And I mean, you see those zoom in, those uh, zoom ins from way at, way outside of the field of Rodgers smirking, looking at the defense and smiling and having fun and laughing. And it's like, man, you're in the divisional playoffs and guy playing that well with what is 46, 48 touchdowns is five picks on the season. You yep. know, probably getting his stats wrong, but you see him having that much fun and enjoying the game that much against the best defense in the league. And the, that's not a conversation. The Rams were the best defense in the league, locking guys down all season. And it, it really, it really did show, like you said, that Rogers deserved the MVP, that he's been the best player all season. And we're going to talk about it later, of course, but that NFC championship game is going to be pretty crazy with uh, those two offenses going at it. So, you know, we yeah, have a definitely. lot of really, we have a lot of really good football to look forward to. And, uh, and yeah, that, that, Packers receiving core, you know, seeing some of those younger guys, the Valdez Scantling and the Lazards, like get those big touches and make those big plays makes me feel more comfortable with the Packers going forward as well. 
because now some of those younger receivers that aren't as seasoned and don't have as much experience, they're getting those big-time plays and those big-time catches against the best defense in the league. That's a huge confidence boost. This team has to be riding high, and especially watching the other three games, they have to be feeling more confident than the other couple teams, in my opinion. I think that the Packers had the best showing, the most dominant showing uh, out of the first couple games. Yeah, and that, val- that young receiving core is getting valuable playoff experience as well and they might even get some Super Bowl experience too and that's only going to help them going forward and like you said I mean with this with the Rams having arguably the best defense in the league Packers probably the best offense we knew one thing was going to break coming into the game whether it was going to be the defense or the offense because I, I can't remember if you agreed with me I think that you did but we didn't think that the Rams were going to be able to put up 21 points against right. the Packers and they put up 18 so it just goes to show how good that Packers offense is and how good they can be going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the next matchup, Pat, I, you know, I don't even know if I need to speak on this one, but Bill 17, Ravens 3. Pat, you're the Ravens guy. Go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah, you definitely can speak on it. It was, <laughs> it was a tough night for your boy. One thing I will say is it can't all be on Lamar. I know he, he gets this he, – he hasn't been in the league that long, and he already gets this – uh, bad report that he's not a playoff quarterback that he looks like trash in the in the playoffs right. I mean the Ra- the Ravens did look like trash I will say that it was a t- it was tough for us to get going we made too many mistakes but it just can't be all on Lamar there were two horrible snaps that I saw uh, there could have been more one at least that I did see and I'm sure everyone noticed was one that sailed probably four feet over Lamar's head and oh man he had to run 20 yards back to get the football and he ended up getting swallowed up by a bunch of Bills defenders. He gets concussed, leaves the game. Game's over at that point. I, the game was already looking bad and we had the pick six. The Bills ran from the end zone to end zone, 101 yard touchdown. Yeah, touchdown pick six. So that was a tough one to swallow. Uh, the Tucker missed field goals were another thing. I know the wind was crazy. It's hard to blame him. Tyler Bass missed a couple field goals for the Bills as well. So Justin Tucker I mean he is Mr. Automatic it's it's tough to see him miss field goals but I guess it was we have to give him kind of a break in that wind but going forward I mean that's a different game if he makes those field goals if he's able to put them through not hit the uprights that that is a completely different game as you mentioned uh off camera but at one point that we would have been up at least six three and who knows the Bills might have played it differently than how they were the playbook could have changed so if we had some sort of lead at any time in that game because of field goals, it could have been a different game. And I refuse to believe that the Bills were just too good for us. I know the Ravens are missing pieces. I I think that was clear. We need some help on the offensive side. We need to get the passing attack going a little bit better. Um, I won't agree with all of Marquise Brown's comments, but he is kind (laughs) of right. I I don't want him taking shots at Lamar and his quarterback. I mean, I think he understands. We do – we are – we – kind of always have been a run heavy offense even when we had Joe Flacco but we do need to get the passing attack going Uh, we will have to get some pieces on the offensive side going forward I think our O-line needs to improve a little bit at least in terms of protecting the quarterback I know Lamar is shifty enough to avoid those sacks but he can't just audible and turn it into a run every time he's going to have to sling the ball so we'll see what happens with that but yeah after Lamar left the game I mean credit to Tyler Huntley I knew the game was over at that point but he didn't look bad so he could show that he could be a good backup going forward. 
I don't think Robert Griffin's going to be around. I think that ship has kind of sailed in terms of him being a backup. But I believe that Tyler Huntley could be a backup for us. Uh, overall, I'm disappointed in how the game went. But at the end of the day, what are you going to do? All we can do now is just look forward to, uh, to next season, look forward to the draft. Uh, we're going to have to pick up some good pieces in that draft. And I just have to say good luck to the Bills going forward. I would like to see them beat the Chiefs. Um, it would be cool to see the Bills reach the Super Bowl. I think that would be entertaining for every party involved, every fan who's going to watch the Super Bowl. Besides Kansas City, I can't think of many people who want to see the Chiefs back in the Super Bowl again, back to that consecutive year thing, you know, uh, right. that I was so sick of with Brady. So <laughs> congrats to the Bills. Good luck to them. And uh, the Ravens, they got work to do. Yeah, yeah, they certainly do. And, uh, you know, you're showing a lot of humility there, Pat, as a Ravens fan. You're saying good luck. You're saying, hey, let's look forward. Let's not get too down. I like that. I like the positive mindset towards it. Um, I'm dying inside. <laughs> and but hey, you gotta you gotta put on a good face for all the listeners out there, and especially Shane, because Shane will never let you hear the end of it. So you have to put on a good face for it, you know. Yeah, I can't, I can't <laughs> even bring up Shane. But but for me, the the whole game, you know, it was it was tough. It was it was the wind. The wind changed the entire game on both sides of the ball for both teams. You know, I. I forget who was announcing that game, but they they showed some replays where they said, yep, throwing towards this side of the field on the right sideline overthrows every time. And it showed both quarterbacks overthrowing players right there because the wind is going 18 miles per hour in that direction. It's 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 impossibly hard to play in, you know, situations like that, especially up in Buffalo. You know, people aren't used to that, even though the weather can be pretty crazy in Baltimore and Justin Tucker. You're one of the best kickers in the league, one of the most clutch guys in the league, missing those two field goals. That's the wind. That's that's all it is. Like, even with these ridiculous, crazy wins, he's putting them off the uprights. Like, he kept them inside the zone, which is impressive and hard to do. Mm -hmm. They weren't short field goals. One of them was like a 46, and one of them was a little bit shorter, something, something around there. Yeah, they were, no, they were in the 40s, and then the one yeah, he made, I think, was... a 46. Yeah, the one he made was like a 34-yarder. So, yeah. yeah, the wind was definitely a factor. You see people missing extra points, man. Like, it's it's nuts. It's The weather's crazy. And and Justin Tucker, that's someone we talked about last week, saying, you know, it, you know that's a guy I'm comfortable with the game going down to. And if that game is 6-3 to three or 9-3, to three, it is a totally different game. Even in the fourth quarter, you score a touchdown and go for two. Then you're at 17. So it's a totally different dynamic. It, it, it stinks when special teams can affect the game so much in a sense like that. But the Ravens weren't dynamic enough. And like you said, after Lamar gets concussed, all those bad snaps, the game's over. Like, you know, it felt, it felt like it wasn't going the Ravens' direction, obviously, and it felt like the Bills had a handle. But there was, there was always a chance. You know, it's always there's there's a two minute drill. There's always something big, crazy that can happen. And once Lamar went down, you just kind of felt, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think this game's over. Yeah, when it was three to three at halftime, I had a feeling I had a bad feeling in my stomach that three to three at halftime. This is not where we want the game to be. I mean, we're in Buffalo. Ideally, you want to lead going into the half when you're the away team in general, but a team as good as Buffalo. I yeah that was a scary feeling <laughs> going into the second half it's tied 3-3 yep and and as a neutral you know if there was any team to play the Chiefs in the AFC championship out of the AFC I'm glad it's the Bills obviously you're not as a Ravens fan but just as a neutral I'm, I'm glad I get to watch Chiefs Bills I really am and uh getting on to that next game Pat Chiefs Browns the other AFC game you know the Chiefs looked like they were handling their business in this game Pat Mahomes goes down 
the Browns start sneaking back into it. There's a lot going on there. Chad Henney comes in, throws a pick. The, the feelings are feelings are stirring up. Could the Browns actually do this? Could the Browns actually do this? They can't. The game ends, ends up being about 22-17 for the Chiefs, even without Mahomes for a good chunk of the fourth quarter. Uh, what were your impressions on that game? Uh, you know, how did the Chiefs and Browns look? Yeah, I tell you what, if you bet the spread for that game, you, for the Browns, you might have gotten a win there. Because uh, five points, I mean, it's a, that's a good – it's it's not a bad deficit. Yeah, I feel like the Browns have got to be proud of what they did and the performance that they put out, even with Mahomes going down. And they had, you know, like you said, they were let back into the game because of that concussion. And Mahomes was actually a little hurt early on, too. He had a slight toe injury, but he came back. I don't know how much that affected him. But Baker didn't have that bad of a game. I think obviously he could have played better and it, but you know what, it was his first real playoff experience. And I think that's just going to be valuable for him going forward. I think Baker can be the QB of that franchise. And I think they could be a great team going forward. I think they can make it even farther in years to come in the playoffs. And who knows, maybe if they match up with the chiefs next year, it could play out much differently. We, we don't know. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, one thing I will say is that from the moment, uh, with the Rashard Higgins fumble into the end zone, which is still, I think, the worst rule in football where you fumble into the end zone and uh, it, it's ruled a touchback when it goes out of bounds. It's To me, that should just be ruled out of bounds, dead play, and they should just pick back up from where it was fumbled. I don't understand that rule really to me. Uh, to me, it doesn't make sense. So, but from when that happened and Rashard Higgins fumbled into the end zone, I mean, that would have been a six-point game. I think it would have been 16 to 10 at that point. Instead, yep. it's 16 to three. Chiefs have the ball back. The entirety of the momentum that you just had as the Browns is lost. And you're giving Pat Mahomes the ball back down 16 to three. You're kind of defeated at that point. I feel like you have a, a slight feeling like that. But good on the Browns because they didn't look defeated. They came back. I mean, maybe the concussion and Mahomes going out had something to do with that, but they didn't play like they were defeated. They played determined. Their second half performance, I think they won 14 to three in the second half. They looked a lot better. And uh, that's what I like to see. And I think out of a Brown, if you're a Browns fan, that's all you can really ask for is that your team doesn't quit. And if you see that determination in your team and there's no quit in them, that's something that can carry you a lot farther than skill might even be able to you get a little luck determination and you never say die. Then that's something that can carry you to the Super Bowl. And I think you have to have that mentality. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you there, Pat. And along with that mentality, like you said, like Browns fans are so proud of this team right now in the city of Cleveland and the league is looking at the Browns and they're saying, wow, you had an incredible season. What a turnaround. Kevin Stefanski did an amazing job. This is the first time they've been in the playoffs in 17 years and they go and beat the number two or the number three seed. Uh, sorry. No, number two, the Pittsburgh Steelers, mm -hmm. you know, they go and beat the Steelers, their division rival in, in the first round of the playoffs. First time they've been in the playoff in 17 years and they have to go beat their big brother in the division. They go out and do it. They go out and put a fantastic fight against Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, who obviously are a phenomenal team, the number one seed in the AFC. And it's something to be proud of. It was a really good season. That Rashard Higgins play is hard to watch, man. You know, the fact that they didn't even go back and look at it all for, you know, targeting or helmet to helmet. And then, you know, like one thing, I was watching it, the game with my dad. And we're like, wait, the announcers aren't even saying anything about the fact Sorensen just drove his helmet <laughs> into Rashard Higgins' head. Yeah, yeah. You know? 
And it's like, yeah, when, when you get destroyed by a 210 pound man, helmet to helmet, you're going to fumble the ball, man. And like you said, the out of the back of the end zone for a touchback, it doesn't make sense. It's a weird rule. It's, it's one of those weird rules that happens, you know, one time in the playoffs each season, and then we get a rule change the following season. So I'm hoping this is the one, like now you can challenge pass interference calls. Now, you know, it's like, it happens one time every season where one fan base gets so destroyed and just obliterated by one play that they end up doing a rule change in the off season. I hope that's the rule change that comes out of it. Um, and also that you can review helmet to helmet or targeting. I think that that would be another thing because if you have a player who just gets their head taken off by another pro athlete, I think that you should be able to challenge that. If that's a non-call, I think you should be able to say, Hey, maybe that guy should be thrown out of the game. Maybe that should be 15 yards. Maybe we should still have the ball, whatever the case is. I, I think that that could be a positive rule change. And uh, the last thing I'll talk about is Chad Henney. You know, he threw the pick pretty soon when he came in. But he was still pretty solid. Um, he, you know, had six or seven completions, 66 yards um, at, you know, at a point when I was checking the stats. And he, he kind of game managed at the end of the game enough to win the game. And one thing I thought was fantastic was everyone tweeting all these puns with Chad Henney after the game. You know, uh, Mina Kimes was doing it. Pat Mahomes, after the game, tweeted out the gif of KG screaming anything is possible. And he tweeted, anything is possible. Yeah, anything. You know? and so, I, you know, shout out to Chad Henney. I mean – that's what being a backup is all about, right? Can you step in and manage the game just enough for the win? You don't even have to go win it. You don't put a backup in and say, all right, he's going to go win this game. You put a backup in and you say, can he manage this game? Can he, can he just try not to screw this up enough? Can he complete a couple passes? And that's what he did. You know, he managed the game enough to go get the win, and that's all you can ask for from a backup. And it's not like he's an elite backup either. If you put Ryan Fitzpatrick in that game, you know, he's the backup. They're winning 31 17 or something, <laughs> you know. But, but Chad Henney's not that guy. That's not what he's there for. And, you know, I, I thought that he did his job well enough, you know. And shout out Chad Henney. <laughs> yeah, we ought to do that sometime. Just rank backups like Ryan Fitzpatrick and oh, so Lee backup. That would be fun um, to do. Put together a nice list. But yeah, I agree with totally what you said. Chad Henney, he, he did manage the game kind of gave me a little Alex Smith vibe game management <laughs> expert. Uh, yeah. He threw the pick, but he got the win for the chiefs. The chiefs were able to hold them off. And uh, I'm just curious, what do you think you see for the Browns going forward? I mean, do you think this is a team that can kind of compete over the coming years? Yeah. I think it's one of those teams where it's continued experience, um, you know, and just continue to season the guys that are there. I think that they have just so many phenomenal players and I think that you continue to build on that base. They have great players in their secondary. They have some really solid players in their front seven. I mean, Denzel Ward, I love playing corner. And Miles Garrett, obviously, is one of the top pass rushers in the league. And they have the pieces on offense, too. They have all of them. And, you know, not for nothing, Odell Beckham isn't, isn't there for this team. And say what you will about Odell. If he's healthy, he's a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. I don't care what anyone says. Odell is a baller. And if you don't think – you don't think a playoff team has changed by having Odell on it? Uh, I mean, there's there's something wrong with you. That, that guy's a huge difference maker. You mm -hmm. get a healthy Odell back. You move Jarvis back to the slot a little more. And you just you continue to get these guys reps. And it's year one with Stefanski. Look what Stefanski did with, for this franchise in one year. Wait till the next one. 
I mean, this this team is a 12 and four talented team, a 13 three talented team. Can they go close out those games? Can ba- can Baker manage the turnovers? That I mean, that pick Baker threw against the Chiefs, you know, that was another game changer. Uh, that was another one that's like, all right, that's a nail in the coffin before they were let back in it a little bit. So you know, the experience Baker's only 25, you know, and he's, he's fantastic. He was the number one pick for a reason and he's showing it. He he's balling out. Um, I, I think this Browns team can, can really have a positive future. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but the AFC North man is just going to be really, really good for years to come. Cause Joe Burrow and some more high draft picks are going to turn that Bengals team around. I love Joe Burrow. I'm a believer there. The Ravens are obviously doing their thing. They're here to stay. The Browns obviously doing their thing. They're here to stay. And, man, the Steelers kind of, you know, they're, they're probably going to be as good as, if not better, than the Bengals, depending on what they do with their quarterback situation. But that AFC North is looking really good, and I think that the Browns have a chance to uh, do something special over the next five, six years. I, I think that if Baker's there and playing well and Stefanski can continue to, you know, put his mark and uh, his culture into that team, I, I, think that, I think that there's something special with the Browns. Yeah, the Steelers could be the odd ones out. I think we touched on that a couple weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, the biggest thing for me with the Browns is Baker's going to have to build a healthy rapport with Odell Beckham. Uh, I I know statistically they played worse with him on the field, but if they figure out a way where they can gel him into the offense and they're not forcing the ball to him, because I think it's a tough balance because you want to feed your biggest receiver, you know, charges with Keenan Allen. I think they've found a healthy way to do that with Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert. If the Browns could figure that out and figure out when to get the ball to OBJ and get him those big plays, that's going to be the biggest thing for them moving forward is that if the success I think will largely be based on that. Hopefully they're able to gel. Baker won't have to force the ball and that'll cut down on some of his turnovers as well. Cause I think he had less turnovers once OBJ got hurt too. So if they can figure that out, like you said, move Jarvis into the slot, keep his success going. That'll be the biggest thing for the Browns and the, the AFC North will be dangerous. Yeah. And you know, when it's, when it's egos battling in a locker room, it's, you know, and and maybe that's not the situation, maybe just the offensive schemes didn't work out the right way, whatever it was, but anytime that there's big egos battling and people are talking about not getting enough touches, I just think about the great teams and how you don't hear about it. I, you know, Mm -hmm. I think about how you don't hear Wes Welker complaining that Randy Moss gets touches and vice versa and Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and on the chiefs, you think that Travis Kelsey cares if Tyree Kill gets 200 yards and three touchdowns? No. Or if Sammy Watkins is the best player that day or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? No, that's not how it works. Same, Peyton Manning's Broncos, Emmanuel Sanders, Julius Thomas, Wes Welker, Demarius Thomas, all these guys are playing for the team. Eric Decker, who I forgot to mention. All these guys are playing for the team. So, you know, hopefully everyone can get their egos in check and realize, hey, we have something really fantastic here and we can build on it. Pat? Last last divisional matchup here, you know, a nice NFC South matchup. Saints, Bucks, Bucks end up winning this one 30 to 20. And I got to tell you, I you know, Brady Brady wins the game. Brady's doing the post game. Brady's in his 14th consecutive uh, championship game, um, conference championship game, I should say. But I personally saw this game and kind of thought Brady was pedestrian in it. I mean, he he played okay. He didn't do anything phenomenal. You know, all the turnovers that the Saints had, Drew Brees throwing three picks is abnormal. It's the first time he's thrown three picks in four years, in four seasons. And and the fumble for the Saints, you know, the, the Bucks were starting 
in Saints territory pretty much every possession of this game. And yes, they, they went down the field and they scored and Brady did okay. But this wasn't like a classic Brady, 400 yards, four touchdowns, big fourth quarter comeback, and he didn't have to do it. And his defense was playing lights out, or maybe Drew Brees just wasn't playing well. Defense was playing lights out, putting him in great field position. You know, I thought I thought Brady was I thought Brady was good. I didn't think he was phenomenal. And you know, the Bucks go and handle this game. It was really their defense and the lack of discipline and the lack of you know punctuality and and everything for the Saints' offense. You know, I I felt like if the Saints played the way that they did at the start of the season, they could have been fine. But I think also, I think Breeze just doesn't have it anymore. And I'm pretty sure he has a deal with NBC or CBS or something set up to be a broadcaster or an analyst. And I'm kind of glad he's moving on. I love Drew Breeze. He's one of the most underrated players all time. I think he's probably a top six or seven quarterback ever. But I think it's time for Drew to hang up the boots, or, you know, the cleats and uh, and be on his way. Yeah, the, I agree with you. I mean, the Saints offense made the Bucks defense look awfully good because yeah. the Bucks defense was not – a great defense throughout the season. They were not consistent at all, but the Saints offense really made them look good. I mean, maybe they played well, but Drew Brees did not play like he normally did uh, throughout the season, even with that rib injury before and after. Mm-hmm. He was still the same Drew Brees. He was an all-time great quarterback game in and game out, but maybe he was kind of halfway out the door. Uh, maybe Drew Brees, you know, his heart wasn't in it. Maybe, like you said, he's got a deal with NBC to be a broadcaster, something like that along those lines. It could be that, you know, his heart's just not in it. I saw a clip where he was telling Jameis, uh, this team is yours now, something like that, and he, he mouthed it. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully the Saints will give Jameis a chance. I mean, Jameis was the one <laughs> – Drew Brees did have a touchdown pass, but Jameis threw a TD pass, and it was a shot too. He looked pretty good. It was, it was it was kind of broken coverage, but it was still a great throw. And considering he's had this long of a layoff where he hasn't even played and he comes out and does that, uh, maybe if he cuts down on the picks, uh, I know he had that uh, that LASIK surgery, or, uh, <laughs> whatever he was saying, maybe <laughs> maybe, he'll maybe he can see now. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe he'll uh, he'll see the defensive coverage. He'll see the pass coverage. He won't be throwing many picks. We'll see how they balance it out with him and Taysom Hill. But yeah, in terms of that game, Brady didn't look great. But the defense helped him out a lot. I mean, he's still got those weapons to throw to. He's got the Mike Evans, the Chris Godwin. I think everyone played for the most part. Gronk played. I know they had some injury problems coming in. Uh, There was some doubt. Leonard Fournette looked amazing. He had over 100 yards. He had that receiving touchdown as well. Uh, Kind of a flashback to the Patriots there. Brady loved using those running backs. So I think he needs to use Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette more throughout the playoffs if they want to see more success. And uh, it's funny because – in the first playoff game, it was almost like the storyline, and I, I touched on this too, the storyline wasn't even about the Bucks getting their first playoff win in how many years, 18 to 20 years, and then you got Brady, a 43-year-old guy, winning playoff games. It was almost like the storyline was kind of stolen again by the Saints, just like the Washington football team did and uh, Heineke. But the big storyline was uh, the Saints, Drew Brees kind of on the way out, and uh, really – how the Saints are going to look going forward and what they're going to do in the years to come. I think they've got some work to do in the draft as well. Yeah, it was, it's cool to see Brady and Breeze. I mean, these two legends go head-to-head like that in what could be Breeze's final playoff game. Brady will probably play another year after this. I mean, he's looked, <laughs> although pedestrian in that game, too good to not continue. And it was a cool moment to uh, to see them hanging out after the game as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was neat, you know, and uh, I, I can already like imagine the comment section underneath the videos of them hugging and Brady high five and Breeze's kids and stuff like I can already envision the comment section. Oh, they're not wearing masks. Oh, they're not doing this, you know, blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, you know, these are two friends, man, who have been playing against each other for the last, you know, 15 years. I thought it was a really cool moment to see them embrace. And, uh, you know, this this is probably Breeze's last game. So, you know, him going out on the field. One last time, hanging out with Tom, getting his kids to, you know, meet and Tom and all that stuff. And I thought it was a pretty cool moment. And uh, just a couple things that you touched on, too. I thought that uh, the running game was really good for the Bucks, And, you know, Leonard Fournette was really good. I thought Ronald Jones was fantastic. You know, you had mentioned him as well. And a couple of his big runs got called back from, you know, a couple – a couple, you know, iffy holding calls and uh, and some other things, but I thought Ronald Jones is really fantastic, and uh, yeah, I would I would really like to see the running game just continue to move forward and develop. Like I've said in the past, I'm still having a hard time rooting for Brady and the Bucks because I don't want to share him because I'm selfish as a Patriots fan. But uh, you know, we're we're seeing some of those like kind of Patriots, you know, things going into this offense with some of the run schemes and everything, and. Uh, I think maybe Arians is finally letting Brady, you know, run some drives and call his own plays more here and there than he than he was earlier in the season. And I think that's part of why the uh, the team's clicking more. And the offensive line has been really impressive in the past couple of weeks, too, for the Tampa Bay Bucks. And, you know, I, and I think that's a big part of it. If you protect Brady and you give him some time, you're going to have some good results. So, you know, I. Again, I think that you know we kind of we we both picked the Bucks to win this game. Um, mm-hmm. I picked them to win by a field goal. They won by a little more, but I did not expect the Saints to play so poorly. And uh, like you said, that maybe stole the show a little bit from uh, Brady and the Bucks moving to the NFC Championship. But who knows? Speaking of the NFC Championship, Pat Packers Bucks, man. As a Patriots fan, I have been waiting for a Brady Rogers Super Bowl for the last like 12 years I have to settle for a Brady Rogers NFC championship with Brady not on the Patriots so like you know I'm settling here I'm settling times five here but it's going to be a really exciting game what, what are you thinking what are you thinking previewing that game how do you think that game's going to go yeah it's weird saying NFC championship with Brady <laughs> right. too because I mean you never would have thought you, you would have thought if Brady and Rogers were matching up in the playoffs it would have been cross-divisional. It would have been the Super Bowl. You wouldn't think, oh, NFC Championship game. But in terms of how this is going to go, I, I mean, Brady's going to have to do a lot to get it done. Uh, he's got the offense to do it. He, again, he's going to have to use Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette to the best of his ability. They're going to have to have great games. I think he's going to have to throw the ball to them as well. They're going to have to run some screens, uh, some little running back cuts across the middle. Uh, but – if I'm having to go prediction wise, I think, I think the Packers are going to be too much. I think Rogers has proven that he was no doubt the MVP uh, continuing into the playoffs as well. They just had a great performance against the Rams defense and there's no way that he's going to make the Bucks defense look as good as the saints made them look. I think the Bucks defense is going to have a tough time dealing with all the weapons that Rogers has and how good of an arm he has, how accurate he is. I, I don't see them getting an interception. I think, the Packers are going to play smart with minimal turnovers. I think if they have a turnover in this game, it might be an Aaron Jones fumble, which I don't really see happening. But that's just to say, I don't think Rodgers is going to throw a pick or make many mistakes. I think he's going to be an expert game manager. I think the I think the Packers are going to win this one. I wouldn't say by much. I would say maybe a touchdown. I think it is going to be a decently close game. I would say 
yeah, I would say about a touchdown that the Packers would win. Uh, but we'll see. I went 10-0 and in my playoff picks so far. Uh, <laughs> Rodgers, don't let me down. I will take the Packers in this one. I'm telling you, man, we got to get a segment going called Patty's Picks, Pat's Picks, something like that, because my man's 10-0 on his playoff picks over here. And, you know, <laughs> he watches all the UFC fights, man. He's, he's involved. He knows the sports. We got to get him betting, man. We got to get some picks out there. Um, but, but, yeah, Pat, I'm with you, man. I think that the Packers win this game. I don't, you know, I'm not really sure what my prediction would be, but I think somewhere between a field goal and a touchdown, like I, I don't think it's going to be a big win for the Packers. Ah, it's hard to root against Brady, man, and all those weapons, but I just feel like there was, you know, there wasn't too much dynamic offense going on for the Bucks last week. I say last week, it was a couple of days ago, but I, I just didn't see too many dynamic things happening from that offense. And especially with the great field position that they had, the fact that they ended up with a couple field goals when they should have had touchdowns, you know, and I don't think that there's going to be four turnovers from the Packers. Like you said, Rodgers probably isn't throwing a pick. Is Aaron Jones going to fumble? Is one of those receivers going to fumble? I don't think so. And I also think this is a Devontae Adams game. You know, like you said, um, nine catches last week. I think this is a 10-catch, 125-yard, two-touchdown game from Devontae Adams because I think he looks at the opposing offense and he sees Mike Evans and A.B. and Chris Godwin and Gronk and Bray, and the list just goes on and on. And I think Devontae Adams is going to say, I'm the best skill player here. I am the best weapon on either offense. Me and Rodgers, we're better than all of them put together. And I think Devontae Adams is going to go out and have that kind of game. The Bucks don't have a Jalen Ramsey. They don't have a guy that's going to go out and frustrate Adams all game and match him stride for stride. I think this is a big game for Devontae Adams. And, and I hope it is because, you know, we've been saying it on this podcast and talking about it before. He's the best receiver in the league. I want him to show it, man. I want him to have digs level games. I want him to just go out and ball out like he was doing in the regular season. And I, and I want him to dominate. I love seeing a big physical receiver dominate. We talked about it a couple uh, we talked about it last week, but like I want an Anquan Bolden kind of season or playoff out of Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs for Buffalo. I think that those two guys are absolute game changers, and Adams doesn't have a matchup that can stop him on that Bucks defense, man. So I hope he goes out and dominates. I think it's going to be something like 24 20, 27 23. Like I, I don't know, but just like you said, within a touchdown, I think it's in that range. I think, you know, NFC Championship, man, these are two of the greatest players ever going at each other. Brady, greatest quarterback ever. Rodgers, Rodgers is a top five quarterback for me. I don't know about for you, but he is the most talented quarterback all time outside of maybe Mahomes, but Mahomes obviously, you know, he has some pretty phenomenal achievements. Rodgers has more. Rodgers is in the record books for everything. You never know what's going to happen with Mahomes and injuries. But man, Rodgers has the best arm I've ever seen just bar none. I think that he's the most talented quarterback. I think, you know, I'm watching him throw a 50 yard ball. Um, I'm watching him throw a 50 yard ball the other day and he's just off his back foot flick of the wrist, like not even stepping forward into the throw. This dude is incredible. He's an absolute pleasure to watch. And uh, as, as a neutral, like I keep saying, I want to see the Packers in the playoff. I mean at the Super Bowl because I think it's, they're just so much fun. And if we could get him a Mahomes or Allen Super Bowl against Rodgers, man, just big physical quarterbacks throwing the ball 60 yards, just slinging it all over the field, mobile. I think, I think it would be a lot of fun. 
obviously I love Tom Brady and I love what he's doing down in Tampa Bay, but I don't think the Bucks have enough in this game. Yeah, I would love to see Rodgers, uh, a Rodgers-Josh Allen Super Bowl as well. But uh, it kind of makes me wonder, I mean, what kind of run this would be, what kind of historic run this would be if Brady won the Super Bowl this year at 43 years old. He beats Drew Brees, he beats Rodgers, and then possibly Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> two of the all-time great quarterbacks, and then probably a future all-time great quarterback. And Brady, if he were to take them all out at 43 years old, I mean – I don't, I would just retire at that point. I wouldn't even, uh, for him to come back after that, if he managed to do that, I, I just don't see any reason to. If he That's got what, yet. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, was, <laughs> if he got yet another ring and was, was able to do that. I mean, it's a long shot. He's got two more games, two more very difficult games to get there, but it just makes me wonder about the possibilities. Yeah. And it's like, Brady, you're already the GOAT, man. What else do you have to prove? And right, maybe it's winning outside of Belichick and winning outside of the Patriots system. Maybe that's what he has to prove, right? But dude, if you take Bruce Arians in this team and, and go beat everybody, this historic run, like you said, two of the GOATs and then and two baby GOATs in the AFC over here with Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes, man. I mean, what do you do after that? Do you say, let's run it back? Go for my eighth ring if you have seven, dude? I mean, nobody's touching you. Just retire. Like, you, you keep telling your supermodel wife that you're going to retire, and then you keep playing, man. Just just retire. Just retire. And I'm saying this, too, because I don't want to share you. Stop winning rings other places. You know, this, is, this isn't easy for me. Yeah, you know, and I, uh, I saw an NFL graphic, too. It kind of made me laugh. It said uh, it was showing Breeze and Brady combined stats, and it said uh, seven combined rings. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, why are they doing that? I was like, Brady has six of those. It's like Breeze got. I mean, I'll give Breeze's credit; he got the one ring, but you can't lump those together. Oh, they've combined seven. Just to rings. be disrespectful. That's yeah, as why. if as if they got half and half, and like however many, you know, like eleven conference championship uh, championship appearances, which Brady would have like nine of. I was like, what? What kind of graphic yeah, it's, is it's, this? It's like a passive aggressive shot at Drew Brees. It's like yeah. here's Brady's way better than you. And, and speaking of some of these guys' legacy too, Pat, I, this, these are legacy games for Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is 37. He just added an MVP. Well, he's going to be adding an MVP to his trophy cabinet. If he can add another Super Bowl, man, that changes his status in the all-time great conversation, all-time great players and all-time great quarterbacks. Because I mean, those are what define you, right? MVPs and Super Bowls, that's what matters. In Absolutely. This Rodgers has all the numbers, and he's already one of the greatest all time. This is a legacy season. MVP, Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. I mean, that that might push Rodgers into that next tier of greatness. And, you know, people may hate on me for saying it, but, I mean, that that puts him right there with Peyton Manning. Like, there's that, – that might – that might bump him up. Like he might be tied for three for me because for me it's Brady, Montana, Manning. And I don't know. I, I think that that might push Aaron Rodgers in there. And would you already have Rodgers over Breeze? Because I was almost thinking I would have Breeze above Rodgers right now. But if Rogers... I have Rodgers, I have Rodgers over Breeze. I would round out okay. my top. I would round. And of course, you know, now we're getting into lists, which is always fun to do, but we could debate forever. <laughs> yeah, I would we have, could. I'd have Brady, Montana, Manning, John Elway, and then probably Dan Marino at five, Rodgers at six, Breeze at seven. I, and Marino doesn't have the ring, but, I mean, that dude was just the purest passer and kind of changed passing offenses in the NFL with what he was doing in the 80s and 90s. So I love Marino, but I, I think Rodgers 
catapults up spots and spots with what he's doing with this team. Yeah, I respect that. And I won't get into lists at all because, again, <laughs> we could debate this forever. But uh, right now, I, I think I have Breeze over Rodgers. Uh, but if Rodgers were obviously able to win the Super Bowl this year, I think that catapults him well into my top five. Absolutely. Pat, the other championship game we got going on in the AFC, we got the Bills heading to Arrowhead in Kansas City, man, taking on the Chiefs. You know, I'm, I'm guessing Pat Mahomes is going to clear concussion protocol, you know, by, by the time he has to play this game. You know, I, I have to imagine he's going to be playing. I'm so excited for this game. I know I keep saying it. As a neutral man, this is, this is perfect for me. You know, I don't want to root for a team in the Patriots division, you know, uh, but the Bills are so much fun, man. Bills Mafia is fantastic. You know, the, the fans are awesome. The team's awesome. They're playing so well. They're, they're playing a very fun style of football on offense and defense. But I still don't see them beating the Chiefs, man. I Like, they're, they're so good and they're so magical. And, they, you know, they haven't, they haven't done anything in the playoffs in such a long time. And you think about Jim Kelly in the 90s going to four straight Super Bowls with the Bills and not winning any of them, man. You know, you, you feel for some of those greats. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm just thinking, I'm like, ah, I still don't think it's the year. I still don't think it's the year. If, if it was to happen, this would have to be the year with how well they're playing. But Josh Allen is only going to get better and his connection with his receivers and coaches, even though Brian Dable is probably going to leave their offensive coordinator. But I, I, I still don't see him winning this game. I think that the Chiefs have too much on offense. I think that the Chiefs are the perennial favorite in the league right now. And, you know, the Packers, the Packers may be a favorite over the Chiefs, but after the fact that Mahomes got to the Super Bowl and did it last year, won it, he has his MVP, he has a Super Bowl MVP, he has the Super Bowl. I, I'm just so scared of Mahomes, man. I think Mahomes is just a next level talent. I, I see this Chiefs offense just running everywhere over this uh, Bills defense. And, uh, yeah, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. What, what are your impressions on this game? Yeah, I mean, these are, I think, the two best teams coming out of the AFC. I think these Absolutely. are the two teams that deserve to be here. I think it's the best possible matchup we could have gotten. I think they're the best chance the AFC has of taking down the Chiefs and just how good they are. Um, for the Bills, I mean, if you're a Bills fan, you would like this to be the year. I think going forward, they're going to have more opportunities. I mean, if this is any indication of what we can see in the future, I, I hope the defense is the one thing. So they've had a great defense this year. But if they're going to want to keep winning like this, it's going to have to continue to be a great defense. And because right. the offense is no problem. I mean, you had Cole Beasley having a career year. Obviously, you've got Stephon Diggs. I think they're going to have to get a better, maybe a more uh, – receiving receiving focus tight end that they can throw to too that might be a good thing to mix in Devin Singletary is going to have to play better they're going to have to have a better run game I mean those are the only areas I'm nitpicking right now those right. are the only areas that they can really improve in because they've been phenomenal this year like you said they've been amazing and uh it's been a magical run for the Bills I, I really am happy for Bills Mafia if, if I think they can beat the Chiefs I, I do think they can beat the Chiefs but in, I don't see any sort of scenario where Mahomes doesn't clear concussion protocol and Mahomes doesn't play in this game. Obviously, if Mahomes wasn't playing in this game, I think I'd be taking Bills. Not think, I would definitely be taking Bills. But Mahomes you want to root just, for Chad Hetty? <laughs> I would, <laughs> see, that's the thing with the Chiefs. I would root for Chad Hetty because right, it, it'd, be, it'd be cool for a backup. <laughs> but it, it's always cool for the underdog, whether it's a backup QB or anyone, a team, a player, uh, just to have success. But – 
I'm going to have to pick the Chiefs in this one as much as I would like the Bills to win. I just think it would be better for the NFL in general to see Bills Mafia in the Super Bowl. And uh, a Packers-Bills Super Bowl would be, I think, probably the last thing any of us would have expected. I mean, people probably expected the Packers to make it. Uh, hope you know we'll see how that turns out against the box and Brady but in terms of the Bills making it, it it would be nice to see them there but I just don't see them beating the Chiefs if Mahomes is there to play I I think Mahomes is going to be too good he's going to make it happen and uh, I would take Mahomes and the Chiefs in this game yeah Mahomes is just so next level for me we've talked about it before but I think the Chiefs are the new Patriots I think that they are a favorite for the next eight years with Mahomes playing quarterback and you know, they, they've locked up so many pieces on offense and defense, and they're paying people, man. They, they're they sparing no expense, but it's working. And, you know, people are saying Eric Bieniemy may even be back next year as their offensive coordinator, which would be a crime. I mean, that man has to get hired. It's ridiculous that he doesn't have a head coaching job yet. But if they have Bieniemy back next year and Andy Reid still has that fire under him, and, you know, part, part of me picking the Chiefs too is I'm hoping we have some more phenomenal quotes from Andy Reid postgame because that dude, when he's excited, has some of the funniest quotes about just going to get a burger, going to do this, going to do that. Like someone someone asked him, you know, are you, are you uh, bringing the trophy home tonight? Like, are you bringing it back to your house? He said, I'm bringing my trophy wife home back tonight, you know, and are you going to Disney? He's like, I'm going to get a cheeseburger after the game. Hey, what'd you do after the AFC championship win? I uh, went home, ate a cheeseburger, and went to bed. <laughs> like, like I, I just, I just want some more cheeseburger quotes from Andy Reid. That's kind of what I'm hoping for out of this game. But yeah, I mean, like you said, AFC Championship. This is the best possible matchup we could have gotten in terms of explosive offenses. I, I could see a lot of points. I could see a lot of points. I know yeah, we were saying too. that last week. We were saying a lot of high-scoring games didn't happen quite as much as we thought it was going to, but. That I think these two offenses can light each other's defenses up. You know, the Chiefs secondary played pretty decent against the Browns, but I, you know, they didn't play against Stephon Diggs. They didn't play against Josh Allen, and I, I think that that passing offense is going to be lethal. And same, same, obviously with the Chiefs. I think that that passing offense is incredible. I think that the schemes they run and some of the stuff they do is just so hard to stop. Some of the pick routes, dude. You throw Kelsey in front of a corner, Tyreek Hill gets one yard of separation. It's eighty yards to the house. So there's some really exciting things going on. And and Pat, what is your ideal Super Bowl matchup? Like out of these four teams, which game do you want to watch the most? I would say the most exciting Super Bowl matchup for me, I think, would be Packers-Bills, as I mentioned just just before, just in terms of what I want. But I think it would also be the most exciting because you have Josh Allen, this breakout quarterback, one of the MVP candidates, at least he should have been in my mind. And then the and then you have the clear-cut MVP and Aaron Rodgers. So two great quarterbacks coming up against each other, two great offenses. And then I would say the Bills have the better defense of that. So I think it would be interesting to see how the Bills de matched up against the Packers. Obviously, we saw how the Rams' defense worked out. It didn't work out great. But the Rams don't have the same offense that the Bills have to match that. So I would say for the best chance, for the best chance for the Bills to win the Super Bowl if they beat the Chiefs, I think they would have a better chance against the Bucs. But for the most exciting matchup, I would say it's going to be Bills-Packers. And uh, just going back, I think we mentioned legacy games. I think this Bills-Chiefs game is kind of a legacy matchup, an early one at, at oh. that. Yeah, I would say because I think this is going to be a game that we look back on over Josh Allen and Mahomes' careers, and I think, I think it's going to be a game that we look back at maybe. It, it depends how they perform. 
but especially for Josh Allen. I mean, if he can beat the Chiefs and take down Mahomes and even just make a Super Bowl appearance, that's going to be something that is talked about when it's all said and done, when Josh Allen's career is over. I think we're going to look back at this in an early moment in his career and see how he handles it and see how he performs. That's interesting. Yeah, I really like that perspective of this being a legacy game for the young guys because, I mean, these two guys are kind of the new Brady Manning of the AFC. Like, these are Mm -hmm. the two best quarterbacks for the next 10 years probably. Of course, we're going to have younger guys coming in. Deshaun Watson's a killer, man. Who knows what's going to happen with Tua, Trevor Lawrence, like all these guys. But these guys are both, what, 25, 26? Yeah, right around there. I don't, I don't know if Mahomes has turned 26 yet, but the fact these two guys, the chance to go to a Super Bowl this early in your career and a chance to win it, you're right. These are absolute legacy games for these, for these young players. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how those conversations shift over the next couple of years about these two guys. Because, I mean, the NFL is in good hands with, uh, with a couple of these young quarterbacks. You know, I, I saw a stat the NFC quarterbacks, you know, were 43 41 and 37 you know the last couple guys the AFC last couple guys 25 25 24 so the the quarterbacks are young in the AFC they're really exciting and yeah I like that perspective of this being a legacy game for those young quarterbacks yeah definitely exciting things to come in the NFL and uh, we'll see how it plays out for both of them and uh, I I do want to ask you as well I mean what's your most ideal or uh, exciting matchup for the Super Bowl that could happen (sighs) I'd I'd, pro- I'd go Packers Chiefs. I I think that the Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers thing would be fantastic. We've seen Mahomes Brady a couple times, and uh, the last thing the Bills want is to see Tom Brady in the playoffs because the Bills didn't beat Tom Brady for like 15 straight years except a game here and there. So I don't think the Bills want to see Tom Brady. I really don't. I think that he's had them figured out for a very long time. But Packers Chiefs, that's the matchup that I want to see. I think that that's a very fun, explosive matchup. It's it's, you know, the MVP against the MVP runner-up, and it's the defending Super Bowl champions against the MVP. So I, I think that there's a lot of cool storylines there. Old and young, Rodgers in his second year with this head coach and this new offense, and, you know, I, I think it's really exciting. And I'm a big Devontae Adams fan, as I continue to say on this show, and I just want to see that guy continue to ball out. I want him to ball out in the NFC Championship game, and I want him to go dunk on the Chiefs after two. I personally would like to see the Packers win it this year. I I would like to see that for Aaron Rodgers' legacy. And I would like to see the Chiefs lose just because, you know, they're they're the new they're the new superpower. They're the new Goliath. Like if Josh Allen got to the Super Bowl, you really want to see the Bills lose? Like I don't want to see them lose again. No. Owen five in Super Bowls. No, but the Chiefs. They won it last year. I'm down to you know, let's let's knock the kick off. Let's switch it up. Yep. And how painful uh how painful would that be for the Bills if they lost to Brady and the Bucks? I mean, you oh. finally get out of the shadow <laughs> of the Patriots and Brady. You take over the, uh, the AFC East, and then, oh, you beat them in the NFC in way higher stakes. You meet them in the Super Bowl. And if they were to lose to the Bucks, that's a way more painful loss than it would be losing to the Packers. Father time never sleeps, Pat. Father time never sleeps, man. Brady's always up. He's always thinking. He's always getting ready to go, man. 43 and doing his thing. Yeah, that would be that'd be so terrible for the Bills. That really would. But, you know, hey, the king, the king has to fall at some point. You know, Brady fell off the perch last year or two. And, uh, you know, I hope that happens to Mahomes. It's a Game of Thrones, Pat. It's a Game of Thrones. They all play it, man. 
Pat, we got to talk a little basketball this week, too, because there's been a lot going on in the NBA. As always, it's the entertainment league. It's the drama-filled league. James Harden plays his last game for the Houston Rockets, says, I gave this city all I had, forces a trade. He ends up in Brooklyn. It's a four-team trade. Pacers end up with Karis LeVert from the Nets. Vic Oladipo ends up on the Rockets. James Harden up to Brooklyn. Jared Allen to the Cavs. Four teams, a lot of moving pieces. The Rockets, I think, out, think made out pretty decently in this trade. You unload a couple big contracts with Russell Westbrook and James Harden this season, right? And, you know, you're still rocking with John Wall's contract. But Victor Oladipo, he's a free agent after the season. You get four first-round draft picks, which is massive. That's absolutely massive in this league. The Nets just mortgage their whole future, which I don't think is a bad move. And four pick swaps, which I don't think people value pick swaps enough. But let's say the Nets are picking at 17 and the Rockets are picking at 30. They get to swap those picks, man. That's Those are huge. And all the weird protections and pick swaps in the NBA now, they're, they're very important. And I, I think that it's a fascinating thing to get eight draft picks for this player. You have eight first-round draft picks, basically, for this guy, which is pretty incredible. James Harden's obviously worth it. He's an MVP. He's a scoring leader. He's an assist leader. And his first game, with the Brooklyn Nets, 30 points, 11 rebounds, 14 assists. He sets the Nets' single-game assist record in game one. I mean, this Jason Kidd played for this Nets for, for the Nets. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is pretty legit, man. He's pretty good. Yeah, that's, Harden go, go ahead. I was just saying, that's pretty unbelievable when you consider that Jason Kidd, one of the most triple-double – he's a triple-double <laughs> machine. Right. You know, you know that Luka already has more triple-doubles than uh, Michael Jordan? Isn't that messed up? Luca's just uh, I balling, did not know bro. that. Luca's just balling. So, man, with these Nets, I mean, they, they win a close game against Orlando. They close it out. You see a great hard and pass to KD to win the game, and you're like, oh, wow, this team's going to be pretty good. They have a pretty high ceiling. Kyrie's expected to come back. He's already missed six games on his personal leave. And as much as we could talk about Kyrie like everyone else every week, we'll leave that aside. When Kyrie comes back, and if this dude's playing well in this offense, this team's going to be really good. They're going to be really good. And one thing I think is interesting is they don't have a bunch of depth. Spence Dinwiddie's out for a while. They have Landry Shamit. They don't have much for backup bigs. Jeff Green's going to have to start. But I think that this is the most prime destination for all the players that end up on the buyout market, any player that's a free agent. I think that if you're looking at a team that needs a couple more pieces to win a championship, if this team adds depth, I think that they are a legit championship contender this year. James Harden. And Kevin Durant is ridiculous. That might be the best duo in the league outside of AD and LeBron. And it might be the best duo in the league. It might be over AD and LeBron. I'm not going to say that because I'm, I'm still going to give it to the boys in LA. But then you add Kyrie Irving. There isn't a better number three in the league. There is just simply not, not even close. Kyrie Irving is the best third option in the league. And I think that that is going to be scary on offense. I think you're going to see them stagger the lineups a little bit. I think you're going to see... You're not going to see all three of them on the court all the time. I think you have to stagger. But, yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's really interesting what's happened with this trade, you know, especially after James Harden seemingly drops 30 pounds in a couple of days. I mean, it's a legit investigative question, Pat. Do you think that Harden was wearing a fat suit in Houston? Yeah, either that or he's on that quick slim because I don't know what <laughs> happened. I mean, it looked like he lost 20 pounds in the matter of, three days i mean you see the pictures before and after i don't know if he's got a compression shirt on or what's going on but before it was looking like he was eating thanksgiving meals day in and day out and now he's now he's on that keto diet he's cutting 
he's cutting so much weight. I don't know if Brooklyn's just got better nutritionists or what's happening, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Maybe the news will break on that. It'll be a, uh, it'll be the next 30 for 30. We'll see how was hard on wearing a fat suit. Are there any UFC fighters that are based out of Houston or Texas that he may have contacted and said, how can I drop 25 pounds in three days? Just <laughs> how like... can I cut the most weight, <laughs> stir up the most trouble? It's absolutely ridiculous. Like this guy really just might've played all of us. He really just might've played everybody to get his way out of Houston. I, I think he may have tucked his shirt in before the game, stuffed a couple towels down there, threw another warm up on. Like, I don't know what he was doing, man, but he was looking big down in Houston. He comes up to Brooklyn, looks fantastic. Looks like he's in great shape. 30 point triple double assist record in his debut. I think that this Nets team is going to be really good. They can't guard anybody. You know, Kyrie can't guard anyone. Kevin Durant's a good defender. Jeff Green, eh. DeAndre Jordan can't do what he used to do. James Harden's a decent defender. He doesn't get credit for it. But uh, I, I just don't see this team matching up with, with some teams in the league very well at all. Yeah, it's going to be all about scoring for the Nets. And I think if you look at that trade, obviously the Rockets did a great thing for their future. I mean, if they're able to re-sign Oladipo and then continue to add draft picks, they can keep John Wall around. That could be a good team three or four years from now it could be a great team but with the Nets I mean they're in win now mode full on it's it's championship or bust for the Nets now I mean now they're probably going to be hurts to say me or uh, hurts to say this with the Celtics but I think the Nets are the only team that are going to be able to compete with the Lakers at this point obviously like you said I don't know how the defensive side of things is going to go they're going to be more of a scoring machine they're going to have to score a lot of points to win games I don't think that'll be a problem for them they'll stagger I think Kyrie Durant Harden they're gonna drop a ton of points Kyrie's gonna have to learn how to dish the ball more if Kyrie can learn how to just rack up assists and Durant and Harden can be the more scoring focused players on this team that's a I think that's a good philosophy for the team to follow Steve Nash I think he'll learn how to put the team together I think he'll know what's best I mean he's a newer coach but I could see him having a lot of success with this roster that he's got and I think honestly at this point I think we're going to see a Nets Lakers championship and if you're the Nets it's championship or bust yeah, I agree. And I'm not sure if they can win it this year, but I think like the next couple of years, I think are definitely championship seasons for the Nets. And I, I, I think you're right. I think it kind of is championship or bust for the Nets. And I think it's a kind of an unfair expectation just because of the talent that they have. It makes sense. I mean, like when you mortgage your entire, you know, franchise's future for a player, like it's, it's kind of like, all right, let's go win it. Let's go make it worth it. But I still think that the Lakers have the best roster in the league. I think that the Lakers are 12, 13 players deep that they're comfortable playing in a regular rotation. And I think that's going to be the difference. And, you know, who knows in the playoffs, you start shrinking rotations a little bit, less guys are playing. But I still think that the Nets need to add some pieces, and I think they will. I think especially with COVID and everything going on this season, the rosters are so big. I think that there's going to be – you know, some maneuvering to do. But I think, again, trade market and buyout market are going to be massive for the Nets. Because at this point, if you're the Nets, you don't mind adding some second round picks into some deals. You don't, you don't care about your draft picks anymore. It's with championships the next few seasons. They're not going to be as valuable. Trade them all, dude. Just, just get, get, some, get some bets, man. You know, f figure it out. Figure a way out to get some bets on this roster and you have a legit chance at a championship. But right now, you don't have a backup four and you don't have a backup five. And you're going to need that if you're playing against Marcus Saul, Anthony Davis, Markeith Morris, and Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, and LeBron James, who are also both power forwards, <laughs> even, though, even though they play a couple different positions. You're going to need some more size. 
And who, I shouldn't say who, because the answer is clear. Kyrie needs to take the number three role. Like you said, he needs to learn how to um, move the ball a little bit better. He's obviously a great passer. He's a great point guard. But someone needs to take the Chris Bosh role. Someone needs to take the Clay Thompson, Draymond Green role. Someone needs to be the number three where your averages drop, but your percentages go up and your defense goes up. Those are things you have to lock into. Because I'm thinking, I'm like, well, you know, I don't mind matching up with the Nets as a Celtics fan right now because I got Marcus Smart on Kyrie. Kyrie's still going to win the matchup, but I love that we had Marcus Smart. And then you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who can guard any wings in the league. No one can guard James Harden, and no one can guard Kevin Durant. But if I was to make a list of guys in the league that I want to cover each of those players, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are top five on both of those lists. So, I, you know, they, they're, they have the, all the shooting, the ball handling, and everything, but they, they need more pieces, and they're not dynamic enough on defense or offense, in my opinion. Yeah, and I wouldn't mind, like you said, giving up those other draft picks that you have to get those pieces because they are in win-now mode. And I think if they manage to win a championship over the next one, two, or three seasons, I think you sacrifice any sort of pain or losing that comes afterwards. I think you kind of forget about the future for now and what's what might happen after these players leave. Hopefully it works out for them. If they win a championship, it's, like I said, it's bust, but it's not bust for the future. It, I think you sacrifice all the losses in the future for a win now, because what it would mean for Brooklyn to actually get a championship. And so unsuspectingly too, I mean, they didn't even have Durant all of last year. And then all of a sudden they have, they barely had Kyrie as well, but all of a sudden you've got three of the best players of all time. And in the current, in, in the current league, the current state of the league. Something I saw the other day that I thought was really interesting. And I don't, I don't think there's actually anything to this, but someone said, wow, do you think these three really chose the Brooklyn Nets because all the records are so easy to break? Like, James Harden already has the assist record. Kevin Durant already has multiple scoring records for the Nets, like consecutive games with 20 points, consecutive games with 30 points. Like, he already has a bunch of records, and I'm like, I'm like, geez, like, there's there's really not a lot of history here outside of, like, Brooke Lopez. <laughs> and, and I think that, I think that there's going to be a lot of very easy records to break, and if if any, if these guys win a championship, then like I think all three of their jerseys are getting retired. Like I, there there isn't a lot of history there. There's a lot of easy records, and I, again I don't think there's any validity to you know them choosing there <laughs> as you know the records being part of that. But I I just think it's hilarious because you know, look a couple of years from now they might have every record. They might be the one two and three scorers all time there. Uh, probably not because Brooke Lopez was there for a while, but. Uh, they're, they're going to be in the record books for the Brooklyn Nets, for sure. Yeah, and Steve Nash might even fall into that, too. I mean, <laughs> they're going to have Steve Nash in the rafters, best coach. It's, <laughs> he's he's going to fall into the same category if they can get something done. It wouldn't surprise me. And uh, just quickly on my Celtics real quick, Pat, our Celtics. Man, 30-pieced by the New York Knicks. Not, not, a, not a way I wanted to spend my Sunday seeing that, I'll tell yeah. you that. And uh, very disappointed in this team. Jalen Brown scored 33 – or actually, Jalen Brown scored one-third of our points, man. He had 25 points. Like, normally if I said Jalen Brown had a third of our points, he has like 40. He had 25 points. We only scored 75 points against the Knicks, man. So, Connor, how are the Knicks good? I guess so, because we can't guard Julius Randle. And uh, R.J. Barrett, 19-11. and 11. He's had some off games this year. 
they look good. Of course, the Celtics are still missing Tatum, still missing Rob Williams, still missing some other pieces. But, man, the fact that Jalen Brown's out there, puts up 25, and you lose by 25, 30 points, that is tough. We need more out of some of these other guys. And Jeff Teague, I'm sorry, I don't know if we need you anymore, man. Now now that Kemba's back, Kemba didn't look great, but it's his first game back. Yeah, you can't Kemba expect back. much. Kemba back, Pritchard playing well. I don't know if we need you, Jeff Teague. I know it's a one-year vet min, man, but uh, but with Kemba back, I, I hope that this team, I hope this this team can really put it together and figure it out because this team right now has no chance, no chance coming out of the East if they're playing the way they are. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you got Kemba and Jalen Brown on the lineup, you can't lose by thirty. I don't care. I don't care if it's his first game back. He's playing twenty minutes. That was an embarrassing game. Yeah, and maybe I'm just in Celtics denial about that getting 30-pieced by the Knicks. But uh, I, I would chalk that up. I mean, maybe it just shows how important having Tatum is on the floor. Yeah. But when you have Jalen Brown and Tatum and then a healthy Kemba, I still don't believe Kemba's fully healthy. I know he's back. But it's going to take some time for him to get to 100%, especially back into the flow of things. Um, once we have that, like you said, the way we're playing now, we're not going to be a team that's competing out of the East. But I think, you know, it's a long season. We've got a lot of time to develop. Hopefully we're not ravaged by COVID. It's been an issue for a lot of teams, mm. but the Celtics have been hit pretty hard. And if we can manage to put the, if we can put a healthy lineup game in and game out, then we're going to be a tough team to compete with. I think we'll be top three. And uh, I mean, we're going to need it. We're going to need a healthy lineup to compete with the Nets, to compete with the Bucks. We'll see what happens. Pat, you're our resident UFC guy, man. We got to get a little gloves off going on here, man. And UFC fight night on ABC one for the first time ever. I mean, the show was stolen by Max Holloway. That's what it was all about. An all time great performance, just a goat performance. Some of the antics he had in that final round were unbelievable saying I'm the best boxer in the UFC to the commentators while he's throwing a no look punch and hitting Calvin in the face, man. Unbelievable performance. Can, can you talk about it a little bit and give some takeaways there from UFC fight night? Yeah, and this was the kind of performance where even if you're not a fight fan or a UFC fan, you're not an avid fan, you just tuned in to watch because it was on ABC. I think how dominant performance that was, I, mean, I think even as a casual fan or someone that doesn't even watch, you can respect and I think you kind of realize just how great that performance was. But just in case you didn't, uh, he shattered records on, uh, on Saturday. Uh, in Abu Dhabi against our New England boy, Calvin Cater, who I was sad to see lose, but I'm a big Max Holloway fan as well. Uh, would love to have him on the podcast if possible. One day. Uh, one, one day. day. <laughs> uh, it, so it was sad to see our New England boy lose Calvin Cater. I know he'll be back. He's tough as nails. He lasted all five rounds, but uh, for Max Holloway. So significant strikes landed 445, which absolutely shattered the record, Who, uh, or which was also held by Max Holloway, his, uh, his fight against, I believe it was Brian Ortega. He got 290 was the previous record. And he had 290. Yeah, 290. He had 445 against Calvin Cater. Nuts. So that just shows the beating that Calvin Cater took, and he didn't get knocked out. So that, that's that New England toughness, that Boston boy, that Boston toughness. So it was good to see that. But uh, he also broke uh, significant strike attempts, 744. So he landed 445 out of 744, which – it sounds like a lot missed, but when you're fighting, that is a very high percentage. Uh, distance strikes landed. He shattered that. Significant head strikes landed. Uh, significant strikes landed in a round. 
total strikes landed, 447, and significant strikes was 445. So only two of those was not ruled a significant strike. So that also shows the beating that Calvin Cater took. And uh, total strikes attempted, 746. So again, it was two more than the uh, significant strikes attempted. Matt, imagine trying to throw 750 full power punches yeah, in 25 the, minutes. The like, I, couldn't, I couldn't sit here and air punch 750 times. Yeah, the output, <laughs> the output was insane. I've never seen – I mean, he's always been a volume striker, for, but for him to put out that volume and in the way he did it, you know, somewhere in the fourth round, he was talking to the commentator saying he was the best boxer in the UFC. He was, no, he was looking at the commentators and punching Calvin Cater and landing. He wasn't even looking. He was throwing no-look punches, which is something you only see like Mahomes do in the NFL. To do that in fighting when you have a dangerous opponent in front of you is insane. And then he started slipping punches. He looked like Muhammad Ali. I saw a picture where it was Ali slipping a punch, and then it was Holloway, too, like docking one from Cater. I mean, he just looked masterful. And for the first fight night ever to be on ABC on national television, which was already a huge moment for the UFC and the growth of the sport in general in mixed martial arts, for I, I knew it was going to be a good fight to have on that for Calvin Cater and Max Holloway, but Max Holloway put on. I mean, he had the best performance, arguably – individual performance in the UFC of all time. I mean, the UFC has only been around for about 20 years and the sport's still very young, but Holloway put together one of the best performances you will ever see. And uh, I think he deserves the rematch in the title shot. He lost twice to Alexander Volkanovsky for the title. Uh, one of them was very controversial. I mean, he clearly lost the first one, but a lot of people, including myself, thought he won the second matchup. And I think despite losing twice on the scorecards, I think you got to give him the third matchup just based on what we saw. He, he's not next in line. There's another challenger. Brian Ortega is going to get the next title shot. But after that, I think Max Holloway is the clear, uh, the clear target for that title title rematch hopefully with Volkanovski if Volkanovski makes it past Ortega and then for our boy Calvin Cater I know the future's still bright for him he took a lot of damage but I think he's going to take a look he's going to take some time to recover and I think he'll be back better than ever I have nothing to worry about with him but yeah it was a great uh, great night of fights Saturday night Wednesday uh, when this episode comes out there's another fight night so if you can catch that uh, it is kind of midday though I believe the prelims start at 3 p.m eastern time but when you get out of work, catch the main card. It should be about 5 or 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. So if catch that, uh, see the next set of fights. And then Saturday, uh, we'll have the McGregor card after that. So we'll have a lot to talk about next week as well. We'll, uh, we'll recap the McGregor card. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for uh, what 2021 brings for the UFC. Yeah, it's exciting. And I'll, and I'll tell you, one thing I really liked, too, was uh, seeing Max Holloway in the post-fight presser because <laughs> – you know, he's talking about, you know, and he's sitting there with his like uh, his uh, forehead all busted or wherever he had the big old cut and was bleeding. And he's like, man, all these people on my Twitch streams talking about, you know, you need to spar more. You need to train more. Why are you streaming video games? And he's like, he's like, man, I take so many hits. Why would I want to go get hit more in the gym in my off time? He's like, man, I've been through it. I take the licks. Let me enjoy my time off. Like this dude puts out a go performance and he has to sit up there and defend himself still a little bit too to, to, you know, Twitter fingers. And I, I just thought it was funny how he went about it. I, he has a great personality. He's a family man. Like he loves mm -hmm. his kid as much as anyone. And after just putting out such a dominant performance, he's such a likable guy after the fight too, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah. It's crazy. Think about preparing for a fight and you don't even spar which means you're actually fighting with someone in the gym the dude's just training practicing his moves on bags on guys holding mitts that's it i mean he 
he talked about how he learned to move while playing UFC three. I think he was playing <laughs> back in the day. He was playing UFC three as himself, and he did a move out of it. He's like, I don't even know that move, but I'm gonna try it. And so he learned moves from UFC three. And he's a big video game lover. Catch one of his streams sometimes on Twitch. But uh, yeah, the fact that he doesn't even spar is just insane to me. And I, like you said, he doesn't have to defend himself because it works. He put on the best performance individually, arguably of all time. So. Uh, it, yeah, it was good to see Max show out like that. Like you said, he's a family guy. Uh, he's one of the most likable guys in the UFC. And he was he was joking around. He's saying, I'm coming for all your jobs. He's like, I want it all. He's talking to the media members. <laughs> he was talking to uh, Daniel Cormier while he was commentating. He's like, I'm coming for everything. So, uh, yep, uh, his slogan, best is blessed, is Max blessed Holloway. So, uh, yeah, best was blessed on Saturday. Yeah, man. And he lives life like he's blessed, man. That dude shows a lot of gratitude, a lot of appreciation. And uh, what a phenomenal fighter. We're all blessed to get to watch him fight, man. It was pretty incredible. And uh, hearing the announcers, too, is fantastic calling one of his fights. Like, they were just freaking out with some of the stuff he was doing because, like you said, all-time great performance. Really one of the best ever. Yeah, and he, like I said, even if you're not a fight fan, I think now you might be a fan of Max Holloway just to sh mm. see how good he is and the guts he put in that performance. And uh, hopefully being on national television on ABC, it made some people want to keep, uh, keep watching. Absolutely. Pat, moving over from some UFC, we're moving on to what we learned. But first, got to take a quick segment to give a little word from one of our sponsors here. Book Thinkers, you've heard us talk about them before. But if you read personal development books, you need to go check out Book Thinkers. This is a company that's dedicated to helping you fulfill your everyday life through books. And every day on Instagram and every week on their podcast, this team over there is helping you discover new books, new mentors. And the whole point of it is to achieve more and live better. That's the goal. And you know, I'm a product of it. The right book can absolutely change your life. It's happened to me with exercise and other personal development things. You can go check out their Instagram, search book thinkers, go to bookthinkers.com, check them out. It's a really fantastic team, really great mission, just trying to help people learn. After that word, we're getting into our little segment called What We've Learned, Pat. What I learned this week is that Jared Goff is just simply not a franchise quarterback. You know, they gave him all this money. He's a first pick in the draft. I didn't understand the pick then. I still don't understand it now. They've been to a Super Bowl and lost where they put up six points. Or was it three? It was 13 to six or 13 to three. I should, I should know that as a Patriots fan. But regardless, if you can't even score a touchdown in a Super Bowl, I know he's playing with the thumb injury. And, you know, they want us. They started John Wolford in the first game. But Goff, you're not a franchise quarterback. If I'm the Rams, I'm thinking about trying to move Jared Goff, find a different solution on offense. Jared Goff, that money matches up with Deshaun Watson. Maybe it's Jared Goff and a couple firsts for Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson was on that Rams team, they are a legit Super Bowl contender. But as long as Jared Goff is the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams, they are not ever going to be a Super Bowl contender. Sorry, Jared Goff. I'm sure you're a great guy. But y'all just have no chance of Jared Goff's rocking it behind that offensive line. That's what I learned this week. Yeah, great. And uh, I would totally agree. And uh, what I've learned uh, is that my team, the Ravens, have got some work to do, especially on the offensive side of things. And uh, I would say what I've learned is that they need to use one of their draft picks, hopefully the first round draft pick, on an absolute stud receiver. We need someone yes. who can make a play. Marquise Brown is supposed to be our number one, but... I mean, I think he can be a great number two, but we just need a more physical, bigger receiver. We need someone with a different body type. We need someone who 
Marquise Brown's small and quick, which is always great to have. I mean, it's a great threat to have, like a Tyreek Hill. But we need someone like Devontae Adams. We need like a, a Mike Thomas. We need someone who's lankier, uh, bigger, someone who can go up and get that ball that Lamar can air it out to. Lamar can hopefully learn how to do some back shoulder tosses. We can learn how to it's just going to help our playbook become more dynamic when we have a receiver who can make those plays that we know a Mike Evans, someone like that. Anyone, uh, I would love to, I mean, we could go out and trade for someone. I don't want to give up too much for a receiver. I think we could do well through the draft. We have to fix up our O line as well. Our defense is great. We have been, we've been a stout defense as long as I can remember. That's always been one of our biggest focuses, but uh, it's time to lean a little bit away from the run. We need a better pass attack. It, it's too. It's become too predictable. I mean, you saw it against the Bills. It's become way too predictable in a game where it was high wins. I mean, we looked like we couldn't even throw the ball. We got three points to show for it, and it, it's just it's just not going to cut it anymore. The Ravens have to get someone that they can toss the ball to reliably, and uh, hopefully we use that with the first-round draft pick. If you could only sign one, you take an Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay on our Ravens? I think Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson kind of wants to be out of the Bears, and uh, I think he would flourish on the Ravens. I do like that. I love Galladay as well, but uh, if anyone was going to come from the Lions, I wouldn't mind like a Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones would be – yeah, he would be a great be receiver awesome. to have. Yeah, so anyone like that, uh, I, would, I would think out of those three, I would take Allen Robinson. Hey, and listen up, Patriots too, not just the Ravens. Pats, go get a wide receiver, man. Come on. We need some wide receivers up in New England too. Yeah, the Patriots were struggling. (laughs) We all need some help on offense, man. But, uh, Pat, that that wraps up today's show. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. We've we've had a really great show here. Unfortunately, a little miscommunication with the guests this week, so no guests. Hopefully you guys didn't mind just listening to Pat and I this week. It was a fun episode. We just have a good time doing it. We appreciate the support, all the love, you know, showing our way on Instagram posts, the podcast. And I'll just say again, like I say every week, Please go follow. Please go like, subscribe, comment. We got one loyal YouTube commenter. We got one loyal Instagram commenter. Got a couple loyal listeners. We appreciate all of you guys. Continue to check out the podcast. We, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening.